It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Abby Hornacek. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Dana Perino, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, October 5th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. The House needs a new speaker after Kevin McCarthy was ousted in an uprising led by eight of his fellow Republicans, including Congressman Tim Burchett. I didn't come here to make friends with these folks up here. This is a swamp, and it is real, and it is very contagious. And that's why we are $33 trillion in debt. And I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Will the fight over the speaker's position among Republicans leave a bitter taste in voters' mouths? Here's the good news for whoever the next speaker is. On the Republican side, you won't be speaker for long. We speak with former South Carolina congressman and host of the Fox show, Sunday Night in America, Trey Gowdy. And I'm Greg Jarrett. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Now what? That is the big question at the Capitol after the House Speaker was ousted. Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has made multiple contradictory promises. Congressman Matt Gates got seven other Republicans to join him, voting McCarthy out as Speaker, and Gates tells Fox... I've traveled all over this country, and I have seen the despondence and the sadness in conservatives who don't believe that Republicans in Congress are fighting enough for them. Now, the last straw, he says, was McCarthy's compromise with the Senate on a short-term funding bill to avert a government shutdown without spending cuts conservatives demanded. You know it was personal. It had nothing to do about spending. And Kevin McCarthy also said after being voted out... I do not regret negotiating. Our government is designed to find compromise. Of course, House Democrats went along with the eight Republicans to make history, making McCarthy the first speaker ever voted out. And that has many other GOP lawmakers angry. Claudia Tenney tells Fox... The Democrats are gleeful. They have destroyed our country, and they're continuing to destroy our country. And now we can't even govern as Republicans. Congressman Kelly Armstrong told Fox and Friends... It's a bad day for our country because eight of eight members of our conference gave Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer unified control of the government, at least until we can figure out a path for a new speaker. A vote on that won't happen until next week with the House now in recess. But Congressman Tim Burchett has a different message. Calm down. You know, there's tanks aren't in the street. People aren't jumping off of buildings. There's not, you know, explosives going off, as you'd see in third world countries. Congressman Burchett from Tennessee is one of the eight Republicans who voted against House Speaker McCarthy. We made a decision, and it was a it was a principled decision. Mine went two paths. I, I decided, I said, do I want to keep my friend Kevin McCarthy, or do I need to vote my conscience? And I prayed about it, and I, I followed my conscience. And I think that was the right decision. We are $33 trillion in debt. We added a trillion dollars in three months this year. We are backed up against September 30th being the end of our fiscal year and leadership, for whatever reason, decided to send us home the month of August and two weeks in September. Knowing, as I've stated many times, September 30th comes around about this time every year, knowing that we're gonna be backed up and that we would have a continued resolution. And all a continued resolution does is keep the powerful in power and keeps the lobbyists and the special interests greased and we don't address budgetary issues, 
Jody Arrington out of out of out of Texas chairs our budget committee. He put together a very feasible, doable budget that this country should follow. And we haven't passed a budget in 30 years. Every every state in the union has a budget. I come from Tennessee. We're a balanced budget state. We have zero debt, zero debt. Yet this country continues to trot along with inflation going out of control, spending money we don't have, and we don't have the maturity or the guts to do anything about it. You called Kevin McCarthy your friend. He said the same of you when he spoke after he was ousted. Yet he seemed a little hurt by it. There was this story, and you mentioned that you prayed on it. And there was a story that supposedly you were offended that he may have uh, mocked you in your conversation with him. Is that what happened? Yeah, it was a condescending conversation. It's no big deal. I mean, it's over. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd flipped my vote anyway. But, you know, and then the conversation, but what he didn't tell you was the rest of the conversation. I asked about where's the term limits bill? And he said, well, that died in committee. I said, why were we there the month of August? Well, I don't set the calendar. It just went down that line. And so he said, oh, so you're going to kick me out of office for that. And I was like, you know, that's a perfect example. First, you make a condescending remark about me praying about what I was going to do, which I do. I pray for everybody and uh, pray for my enemies. I pray for President Biden. I even even pray for his son and their family. But the honest truth is, is that you know, we don't need excuses. We need leaders. Jody Arrington, when he brought his budget, you know, we're required to do a budget by law, a budget and 12 appropriations bills. Yet we chose not to deal that route. They basically just patted Jody on the head and just sent him on his way, basically, and not, you know, gave him his 10 minutes in the golf clap after he finished. And that was it. And nobody. And then we went right back to business as usual. All and right. This country cannot afford business as usual anymore. Speaker McCarthy sided with the Senate and Democrats on the continuing resolution, compromising with them and not going along with the spending cuts. And so people have turned the tables on you as the eight Republicans because you sided with Democrats in the vote to oust Speaker McCarthy. So they say, you, well, you did the same thing. You worked with Democrats. No, well, I would say this. The Democrats sided with us that we agreed that we need a change. It's, I didn't come here to make friends with these folks up here. This is a swamp, and it is real, and it is very contagious. And that's why we are $33 trillion in debt. People come up here, and they talk to you all, and they regurgitate a few talking points, and then they go in there, and they vote our country down the river. And perfect example, we had, and this is shows leadership, actually, we had an agriculture bill, and it made some pretty severe cuts. It didn't pass. It did not pass the appropriations. But then we had a defense appropriations, $30 billion increase. Now, the war pimps at the Pentagon have never passed an audit. They lose billions of dollars a year in cost overruns and black ops and all this other garbage. And then, and at one time, 60% of their assets were unaccounted for. Yet we give that we reward them by $30 billion more dollars we, we, we found $114 billion for Ukraine, yet those poor people out in Maui get six or $700 a family. And hell, they lost everything, brother. They lost everything. Yeah. And then we, these Afghan refugees, we, we, gave, we give them a monthly stipend. And then the people coming over the border get something. You know, it just never ends. We've got to start taking care of our own. We've got to start being fiscally responsible. And we've got to start answering to the voters. And the voters are taking notice. And, you know, Tuesday, this will be all over. 
we're going to have our little um, student government <laughs> forum where everybody's <laughs> going to speak and talk about why they should be speaker. And then we'll we'll vote. And I guarantee I think on the first vote on the floor, that person will be the new speaker. OK, because there's a lot of names being thrown out, Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise. You seem certain that somebody's already going to get the support. I think that the, when we walk out of that room, we'll have a speaker. It took it's days. It took right. days in January to get Kevin McCarthy elected. That's not going to happen this time, well, you don't think? Well, Kevin McCarthy would, again, would not allow any more votes in committee because he was afraid he would lose it in there in a closed door meeting. Okay. And that was his strategy, and it worked. It was a good strategy for him. It just drug us out 15 days that we lost. But nobody, you know, here we are. We're 45 day continued resolution, day 41. And we have, we had a meeting on, the budget or any of this? No. That tells you right there. And, and then part of the old regime bangs the gavel. We should have worked through the weekend and elected a speaker so we'd be ready to go Monday morning. Let's come back Tuesday. You know, what in the world? Uh, you know, that's that's that old school stuff. And that, that that when you got power, you can do those kind of things. And and they and they don't turn loose of this power easily in this town, obviously. OK, so next week you elect the speaker. You still have, as you pointed out, you know, a little over a month to come up with some other budget. I know you want a full budget, but what if we get another continuing resolution because you have a hard time working this out with the Senate? Could the next speaker be McCarthy'd for compromising with the Senate and doing the same thing? How do we know we can't work something out with the Senate? You swallow your pride and you go work on these things. And we're not doing that. And we, you know, I'm not going to go see him right now. That kind of thing. That doesn't cut it. That does not cut it anymore. We got to work. We got to get this country back on track fiscally, financially, morally, and ethically. And by sitting here with our hands on our, or sitting on our hands, we're not doing it. Okay. So what, I know you want to go through and get those 12 appropriations bills done in the House before we get to the middle of November. Let's say you're successful at that. You put spending cuts in and the Senate doesn't go along with any of it. What do you do? You negotiate. You negotiate before, you know, that's why. And we always say we got to we got to um, we got to get something that'll pass in the in the Senate. Well, why don't we say the Senate needs to get something that'll pass in the House? We're equal body. Why do we always knuckle under? We always knuckle under. Why do we do that? Because we don't have anybody that negotiates. And I, and I granted this new speaker will, will be able to negotiate, whoever they may be, because our, our, our bench is very deep. I know my friend Kevin Hearn is talking about running, too. Why don't one of you eight Republicans, why don't you throw your name in, Congressman? The eight Republicans who said, we'd, you know, the House doesn't have good leadership, why not say, you know what, let's do this our way, one of us? Well, the, re the reality is... I could probably I, I don't know I get two votes and I don't know if, I don't know if I'd vote for myself. <laughs> All right. Well, that might not be enough confidence for everybody else to back you. Yeah. Well, Tim Burchett for speaker would send the markets into a into a, uh, probably into well, the grifters anyway, the, the ones who got lobbyists up here that grease politicians, they would probably um, tank the market pretty quick. I heard one of your colleagues, Congressman Ken Bucky, voted with you. He said that it's not just eight. He said there are more than just eight who wanted oh. Kevin McCarthy out. Is that right? You know, there's people that are upset and they're hurt. But a lot of people are upset and hurt. Some of them are upset and hurt because their little deal is, is over. They're going to have to get in line like the rest of us.
And so um, that that creates a problem in both parties. So I think that's good for the system, though. It's good for it's good for this country. So people on camera, do you think, are angrier than they are behind closed doors? Heck yes. And then when they read their emails, they're flipping. They're, they'll flip pretty quick because this thing is pretty popular nationwide and with our base especially. And and the ones that are saying this is creating havoc all over the world, and, you know, it's over. We follow the rules that are pres- that are that, that are, we are prescribed. It will be over Tuesday. We'll be back to work Wednesday. And we ought to start working on that budget. We still should have been doing it this weekend. I think that was a tactical error. But that's the old regime. Congressman Tim Burchett, Republican from Tennessee. Thanks so much for the time, as always. It's always good to talk to you, brother. Just keep putting the truth out there. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Greg Jarrett with your Fox News commentary coming up. As the vote unfolded to push out Speaker McCarthy, Fox's chief congressional correspondent, Chad Pergram, called it unprecedented. The one time that they came close to this, this was in 1910, and Joe Cannon was the Speaker of the House. You sometimes hear about the Cannon House office building across the street. It's named after him. He had a lot of infighting with members of his own party. Cannon, however, survived and hung on to his speakership. After it was all over, the press conferences began. McCarthy said he would not run again for Speaker. And while North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry is serving as Speaker Pro Tem for now, Fox's Aisha Husney reported Wednesday that after speaking with Congressman Garrett Graves... I just had a very frank conversation just a few moments ago with Congressman Graves, and he basically told me that he does not believe that the conference can coalesce around one person quickly. He thinks that this standstill could go on for months. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich had this to say on Fox News about the eight Congress members who voted to push McCarthy out. Four percent decided they were so morally superior, so intellectually pure, so patriotically better that they would side with the Democrats. We ought to be focusing on Biden. We ought to be focusing on the economy. We ought to be focusing on the border. Instead, you're going to get a week or 10 days of the media focusing on Republican disarray. One of the congressmen making up that 4%, Arizona's Andy Biggs, responded to that on Fox News. The last time you led a coup, he actually led a coup uh, back in his days. When was the last time we actually had a balanced budget and did 12 bills? He was the speaker. He should remember that. And what has happened over the last 25 years, 130 continuing resolutions, massive debt, massive structural deficit. But now what? Big says party business can carry on, but will it? And how did we get here? Well, actually, my my dominant thought, I went back 13 months ago. uh, It was uh, election night. Trey Gowdy is a former congressman from South Carolina, attorney and host of Sunday Night in America on Fox News. I may have said it out loud, but I certainly whispered it to myself that one of the big losers of the night was Kevin McCarthy. When the red wave turned into like a red drip Mm. and he had a narrow majority, I've seen speakers struggle when they had 20, 30, 40 seat majorities. (laughs) Right. Imagine being subject to the whim and caprice of the six to seven 
craziest or maddest or whatever word you want to use members you have on any given day. Honestly, for Kevin, I thought he was liberated. I mean, you no longer are being held hostage Mm. by people who, in some instances, want diametrically different things. So to make one happy is to upset the other. It was always an impossible task, and I'm a little surprised he lasted as long as he did. So the way you just painted that is you're dealing with your eight, seven or eight craziest members or angriest members. What does that mean then moving forward? If you have people who are willing to take it that far, for whatever reason, if you support it or you don't, then what does that mean for, I guess, the next speaker or for the future of the GOP running the House? Well, it doesn't portend well. If you listen to what some of the detractors said, um, one of the detractors is upset because gun control and abortion rights were not put on the floor. I mean, how do you think either of those two issues would fare with a Republican majority? So this is a member who is in a swing district. Those votes help her get elected. They don't help anyone else get reelected. So the role of the speaker, in part, is to protect the majority. Don't do things that are going to jeopardize your majority. So there's no way he could have made her happy on that. There's another detractor who, you know, talked about the Hastard rule. You know, you can't bring anything to the floor of the House that doesn't have at least half of the majority. Hmm. And meanwhile, we're sitting there watching eight Republicans side with every Democrat to bring something to the floor of the House. So the Astrid rule apparently does not apply to them. Mm-hmm. Whether it is Stevie Scalise, Tom Emmer, I think what you would see, whoever the next speaker is, Elise Stefanik, whoever the next speaker is, I think you'll see a couple of things. An almost identical voting record to what Kevin had. Mm. Someone who is going to be no more empowered to change the political reality that you do not have the Senate and you do not have the White House. Right. So the other big thing a speaker does, I mean, he or she travels nonstop trying to raise money and recruit candidates to keep the majority. And, you know, cautionary tale for whoever that next person is. Kevin McCarthy raised lots and lots of money for people with incredibly short memories. (laughs) So when you're sitting there thinking, gosh, do I want to miss my kid's birthday? Do I want to spend the only weeks I have off gone traveling the country for people who are among the least grateful on the face of the earth? No, I mean. Why would you? Well, <laughs> okay, but Trey, talk to me about this philosophical back and forth. Newt Gingrich says Matt Gates should be expelled, and these eight Congress members are egocentric and think they are more intellectually pure, patriotically pure. And and then Congressman Biggs said in response to that, "Hey, Newt Gingrich should remember leading a coup, working to have balanced budgets, and since then there have been 130 CRs. And look at this debt." What do you make of that kind of back and forth? I mean, does Biggs have a point? 
Well, for the most part, I ignore it. I mean, for the same reason that I don't sit here and try to figure out what I'm going to wear when I take Halle Berry to the prom, because it's never going to happen. I mean, you're not going to expel a member. We've had members under indictment that not only weren't expelled, I'm not even sure they were like punished. So you're not going to expel someone. So there's no sense in talking about that. On the other hand, I just sit there and smile at these allegedly fiscal conservatives who were on hiatus during the Trump years. I mean, maybe my facts are wrong, but I could have sworn that we ran deficits during the Trump presidency. I could have sworn the debt grew. Mm. So this kind of jail Jesus or, you know, I'm going to get religion some of the time, but not all of the time. I mean, I care about debt and deficits, but only when McCarthy is the speaker, not when, you know, a president that I like. I mean, I can't remember the last time I heard a Republican presidential candidate talk about entitlement reform. I swear I can't remember it. And, And if you're not doing something about mandatory spending, then I'm sorry, guys and gals, you're just not serious about the debt. Hmm. So I ignore those kinds of conversations because, number one, he's not going to be expelled. And number two, this kind of episodic purity when it comes to spending, I'm not a fan of relativism, and that's what that is. Okay. All right. Interesting. So what? let's get into just a couple more of your thoughts. What do you think the effects of this are more broadly, like, is this the kind of fighting that, that when you see it, you say, well, this is why it's hard to get people to run sometimes, to your point about McCarthy's fundraising. This is why some people are turned off by politics, as we see in poll after poll, that people want lawmakers to work together more often. My dominant takeaway is kind of the distinction between the parties. Uh, Democrats stick together because they want to fundamentally change the country. I mean, think about it. The so-called Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, Inflation Reduction Act, Build Back Better, whatever you want to call it, they were willing to lose the majority to effectuate some policy change that, in the case of the Affordable Care Act, is still with us to this day. They were willing to trade the majority to fundamentally change the country. So when Republicans have the majority, what do they do with it? They squander it. uh, They try to become famous. And there's nothing that fundamentally changes. So here's the good news for whoever the next speaker is on the Republican side. You won't be speaker for long. That's the good news. Because come next November, I just think voters are going to say that's not why we gave you the gift of leadership. We did not empower you to lead so you can have a bunch of Instagram influencers run the house. Oof. I guess just two more for you, Trey. Congressman McHenry of North Carolina as Speaker Pro Tem right now, I guess is the proper verbiage, but that means, I guess, interim. He doesn't have the same power as like somebody who has been voted upon, right? He may have some of them like scheduling, but I can tell you Patrick is very aware of the fact that he came into that title because somebody was deposed, somebody was defrocked. So you will never see Patrick McHenry saying, aha, I'm the Speaker of the House. Let me go do all of these. And I heard some criticism about Patrick kind of gaveling them out and not making them stay there. I'm sitting here looking at the House calendar, literally, as you and I are having this conversation. They were not supposed to be in session for those two weeks. I mean, the calendar has them in their districts. 
not in D.C. It was Kevin who changed that and said, no, we're going to stay there in October and try to get some of these appropriations bills done. Well, I can tell you, based on my friends who are still there that I've heard from and the expressions on the face, there would have been physical altercations had they gone into a room together last night. That is how (laughs) raw the emotions were. So Patrick did the smart thing. Now, does that keep people from criticizing him? No, because they're addicted to the way makeup feels on their face and they want to be on television. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, You're always entertaining. Um, Okay, so finally, Trey, you're in charge, right? Let's pretend you're in charge for a minute and you are advising Republicans on what they should do next and they will listen to you, right? They've got 45 days before the stopgap funding measure runs out where they have to, I guess, act again. Congressman Graves is saying we're going to be without a speaker for maybe months. What do you tell these people to do? Well, the first thing I would do is resign. Um, I, I, w- I would resign that job. Look, I said it you know, a year and a half ago. What makes people angry and frustrated and disappointed is when you set unrealistic expectations and don't meet them. It is always better to say, look, about the best we can do with one half of one third of government is stop bad things from happening. That's about the best we can do. I don't want to disappoint you. But I'm going to tell you the truth. We're not going to radically change the country without the Senate and the White House. So priority number one, stop bad things from happening. Priority number two, get the wins, the successes that you can get. And priority number three, do not lose the majority. Because right now you are the only thing standing between the progressive agenda and the American people. And I'm telling you, it just seems to me this week that the focus is on personal grievances and personal grudges, and I would be stunned. They they better right the ship or they will lose the House majority in about 13 months. Former Congressman Trey Gowdy and host of Sunday Night in America on Fox News, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to visit with you again, although hopefully it's about college football and not uh, (laughs) chaos on the floor of the house. Meet the American who... Snap the first selfie. People may think of selfies as a modern phenomenon, but Robert Cornelius snapped the world's first known selfie nearly 200 years ago. In doing so, he proved that human vanity is limited only by the ability to express it. Cornelius was born in Philadelphia in March of 1809. His dad, Christian, was a Dutch immigrant to this country from Amsterdam. After French artist Louis Daguerre created the first known photo process in 1839, news spread to the United States. It took only a few weeks for a curious young American with access to silver and copper at a family business to turn the camera on himself. Cornelius's father worked in lamp manufacturing, and in October of 1839, the younger Cornelius snapped the world's first selfie in daguerreotype. The fetching 30-year-old man is shown wearing a coat with, by today's fashion standards, an outrageously large high collar beneath dark, mussy bedroom hair and darker, moody, skeptical eyes. His papers betray a classic feature of the modern selfie. He looks as if he's not sure of the best angle to stare at the lens. The photo wasn't just the first known selfie. It's one of the oldest images of a human being ever captured on film. The words on the back of the original image proclaim, quote, the first light picture ever taken. Soon 
soon after taking it, Cornelius opened his own photo studio. Eventually, he went on to become a leading innovator in the light and power industry. In the 21st century, selfies exploded as a cultural and artistic phenomenon with the advent of smartphones. Subgenres, including the bathroom selfie, have even inspired restaurants to design selfie-ready restrooms. After a globally impactful career as an energy entrepreneur and photo pioneer, Robert Cornelius died in 1893 at 84 years old. His impact on photography has long outlived his years on the forefront of its evolution. You can go to the lifestyle section at foxnews.com to find more of these incredible stories. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Greg Jarrett. What's on your mind? Hunter Biden pleaded not guilty on Tuesday to federal gun charges in Delaware. But his high-priced lawyers plan to argue that the earlier sweetheart deal is legally enforceable so that their client should never be tried and thereby skate on any prison time. Well, it won't work. In court, Biden's attorneys announced they were tearing up the deal. Also, it must be approved by the probation officer who declined to do so. The judge also refused to accept the plea deal. That makes it as dead as a doornail. Veteran defense attorney Abby Lowell, meanwhile, is prepping Plan B. He'll claim the gun law is unconstitutional by citing a recent decision from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that tossed out the criminal conviction of a marijuana user who possessed a gun. Regardless, the Fifth Circuit's pronouncement only covers Louisiana, Texas, and Mississippi, is not binding on the state of Delaware, although the U.S. Supreme Court may have the final say on its validity. But that still leaves two separate counts of making false statements, which carries a maximum penalty of 15 years behind bars. If passed his prologue, the U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who was elevated to special counsel, will never let that happen. He'll likely conjure up another lenient plea deal or otherwise drag his feet by letting the case collect dust balls through the upcoming election cycle. How do we know that? Because Weiss spent five years dithering in the face of compelling evidence that Hunter Biden committed far more serious felonies, a myriad of schemes that netted tens of millions of dollars from overseas adversaries by selling access to Joe Biden and promises of future influence. So who does that? Well, a corrupt or incompetent U.S. attorney who's been running a protection racket to shield his boss, the president, who is implicated as complicit in his son's scams and schemes. David Weiss almost got away with it until two IRS whistleblowers step forward to reveal the chicanery. They inform Congress of the constant political interference and preferential treatment that slow-walked the Biden investigation, suppressing evidence and diverting the case. Now exposed, perhaps David Weiss has experienced an epiphany. 
Maybe he'll suddenly embrace the rule of law and aggressively pursue the escalating evidence of pervasive crimes committed. But something tells me that lottery tickets are a better bet. I'm Greg Jarrett for Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Hey, it's Will Kane, co-host of Fox & Friends Weekend. Join me as I share my thoughts on a wide range of topics from sports and pop culture to politics and business. The Will Kane Podcast. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.